Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Pod save the queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host Zoe Forsey and I'm joined after what seems like an awfully long time actually by our royal editor Russell Myers. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. I was just thinking we are reunited for the first time in ages. Feels it does like feel like a long time. A while. And there's obviously been a lot going on. You've been on tour. We've had lots of uh, finances, which have taken me an awfully long time to get my head round. But you have a much better knowledge of those than I do. But before we get into all of that, we just wanted to start by paying tribute to Dame Deborah James, who passed away earlier this week on Tuesday. Obviously, this is something we've spoken about quite a lot on the podcast because her amazing and inspiring work raising awareness of bowel cancer has been supported by the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, They obviously met them there. So obviously, it was really sad news that she uh, passed away on Tuesday. And Prince William actually put out a message, didn't he? He did indeed. And, you know, all our thoughts are with Deborah's friends and family. You know, she was a much, much loved um, production member of the BBC, the Lorraine show that I work on as well. There's an awful lot of people who are just sending all their thoughts to, to her family. But um, yeah, as you said, that William did meet her in, in Maine. He was absolutely integral to, to delivering her that damehood that he went personally to her family home where she was sort of living out her final weeks. And, uh, and yesterday he released a statement joint with Catherine, signed WNC on Twitter saying, we are so sad to hear the heartbreaking news about Dame Deborah. Our thoughts are with her children, her family and her loved ones. Deborah was an inspirational and unfortunately brave woman whose legacy will live on. And uh, no better word indeed. I mean, her legacy absolutely speaks for itself. She has raised over £7 million now for the Bell Babe fund for cancer research which you can find on the just giving website there is absolutely incredible donations pouring in and uh, no doubt that will continue to go from strength to strength and an incredible legacy she leaves behind she really does and i'm actually gonna her message and kind of you know that she always wanted to do was the it was the check your poo message which i know that she wanted to widely spread so that's how i'm gonna end this part as well for all our listeners who maybe haven't seen her her campaigns over the time because that was her like big her most important thing was to to live life um you know what was it love love hard and to check your poo so we'll, we'll leave Absolutely. that there now moving on to finances so the sovereign sovereign oh my gosh sovereign oh my i mean it sent you west <laughs> this is what it's done to you i mean fair enough because it's absolutely sent me around the bend as well sovereign the sovereign grant Sorry. Yes. oh dear so this obviously so this is all the royal family's finances all the numbers 
percentages, all of the tech stuff. So you went to a briefing yesterday. There was a briefing yesterday, wasn't there? And it was all embargo till midnight. So you had yesterday afternoon to attempt to get your head around it. Uh, so well, what, I'm still scarred by the experience. It's, and I tell you, right, so the Sovereign Grant is, is, is the money that the royal family get from the public purse, and it's worked out from a percentage of the Crown estate, the Crown estate being the sort of uh, the property that the, that the royal family own, and that, that profits go back into the taxpayer, uh, to the treasury rather, and then the government gives them a percentage, which is 15% of the money to, uh, to carry about their business. It's so actually gone up. Just quick, because that's our money. When you say the public purse, so that is so obviously it everyone in the our money, UK yes. pays their taxes, and taxes goes off to pay for health, school, roads, everything like that, and a little pot of that goes into the royal fund. Absolutely, and so you know, there's also an, an awful lot of controversy about royal finances because you know where does our money and their money stop? The Queen has her own sort of private finances, which is from the Duchy of Lancaster. However, the sort of crown estate, as it were, um, which is you know, they own a lot of uh, residences in central London, big, big parts of Mayfair and what have you. So there is an awful lot of money swilling around the coffers, which is to the tune of about £380 million. They get a percentage of that. But there is further complicated because of this big 10-year project renovating Buckingham Palace, which is um, costing £369 million. Now, the Palace have always said that that is going to be value for money. It's a crumbling old um, old home, I suppose, that is uh, that needs resurfacing, as they always put it. However, with the Queen not going to live there anymore, Prince Charles probably not going to take up residence there, then where will it end up? Well, I imagine it will end up being op- open further to the public. Certainly Prince Charles has spoken privately about that, that he will he wants the royal residences to become more open to the public to bring in more, more money for for um for the for the taxpayer and, and to to be value for money. But the big headlines were that they're the raw spending has gone over one hundred million pounds for the first time ever. Now, that may seem quite a lot of money to some, and it may seem like incredibly good value for money to to others. But when you actually get down into the nitty gritty of the uh, of the detail, which I have done for you, ladies and gentlemen, so you don't have <laughs> to, you. and so yeah, as well, we're both having a breakdown for it. But there are really interesting sort of facts and figures, and when you look at them. You know, there are definitely questions to be asked because uh, there's an old favourite, the Royal Train that comes up and everybody loves to see the Royal Train when it sort of rolls into town and it doesn't really get out very often these days, but it is a preferred mode of transport for the Queen. She can travel up and down sort of the country in it. She can stay overnight in it. It's very secure. It's 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 got a, sort of all the comforts, even though those comforts were... Uh, I think installed in the 1970s, most of them. It's, it's very archaic. However, it costs an awful lot of money to even just pull out the station. And it cost over £100,000 to just go on three journeys last year, which is doesn't seem, you know, in the sort of uh, the backdrop of a cost of living crisis uh, uh, throughout the UK, and I'm sure a lot, lot of other parts of the world, um, you know, at the moment, that it doesn't really seem that value, great value for money. And other things that really do raise the eyebrows are um, 
helicopter trips. And even though that the Palace are really pushing this notion of the fact that they're using sustainable fuel, definitely uh, Prince Charles has been leading the way on using um, sustainable aviation fuel, not only for the the big aeroplanes like, um, I was about to say Air Force One, but it's called the RAF Voyager, which is essentially our sort of our, our, our Air Force One when they go on these foreign trips or he is taking private jets sort of across the country. He does like to use sustainable fuel. However, it's not available. It's not readily available. It costs a lot of money. And so obviously you've got to balance out all these sort of issues as to whether it's is it they are proving value for money. And these helicopter trips, coming back to those, are costing an average about fifteen to eighteen thousand pounds every time you jump in the chopper. That's mad. Well, like, it is mad. And think, and I know so, it's know, a long time on a train, but you could do that for a fraction of the price on a normal, you know. Yeah, it's I mean, so listen, and, the, and and if you are the Prince of Wales or the Queen, or I mean, I think everybody would sort of give the Queen her dues, right? She's she's done seventy years on the throne. If she wants to get in a chopper, she should probably be allowed to. Um, but you know, Prince Charles is a big environmentalist. He's been banging this drum for 40, 50 years. I mean, it's one of his legacies. It will be one of his legacies. Um, and. You know, I mean, his age was saying that he is sort of allergic to using helicopters. He doesn't like using them. He doesn't like traveling on private jets. He will try and find alternative mode of transports. Again, you have to balance this out with security. You have to balance it out with the fact that, you know, future king, should he necessarily be jumping on the train with the, uh, the great arm, <laughs> as it were? I don't think we're, we're all expecting the queen to get the bus to engagements, are we? But we've got to try and have value for money and i think that when you look at something like the cambridge's tour which really stood out for me which was the most expensive of the lot that came in at the cambridge's tour of the caribbean i must say when they went to belize jamaica and the bahamas in uh in march that came in at a whopping two hundred and twenty six thousand pounds which is probably about three hundred fifty four thousand dollars in uh, US dollars these days. So, I mean, we're talking big sums here. And again, we come back to the resurfacing of Buckingham Palace, nearly 370 million. Is that going to go over budget? The Royal Aid say no, it's still committed to the fact that it's going to be on budget and on time. I mean, when have you ever had a builder suggest <laughs> that things are going to come in on time and, uh, and it's actually happened? So let's see what happens. And again, this really does come, come fresh on the heels. Um, of this, uh, of this big, big, major issue that uh, Prince Charles is, is, is battling with, which is um, the fact that he's been accepting very, very large amounts of cash for his charities from uh, from the former Prime Minister of Qatar, um, and and I think when when you when you're looking at how the royal family treat finances, and just to give you. a I know I'm jumping around a bit, so but I'll give you a bit of context. You're going on. all off my plan. This is not. I know, yet. I know, but I'm just going to give you a bit of context of why why people might be really questioning this 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 concept of royal finances more than ever this year. Not only are we we really sort of all feeling the pinch, you know, everybody's had COVID. We're nearly on the brink of a recession in this country. No doubt that's going to happen. Global recession. People are really starting to worry about their own personal finances. People can't afford to put petrol in their car because it's gone through the roof. You know, the heating bills have gone crazy. And then we was revealed just um, at the weekend that Prince Charles has been accepting £2.6 million, that's €3 million, in separate donations from the former Prime Minister of Qatar 
a million euros stuffed into a briefcase and more than 1.6 million pounds stuffed in carrier bags from Fortnum and Masons. And um, most people will know that that's the posh department store used by the royals and the, and the rich and famous. Now, this seems absolutely extraordinary in itself. Um, why on earth the Prince of Wales is accepting that sort of amount of cash? I mean, this was revealed to have happened between 2011 and 2015. Yesterday, during the Sovereign Grant, the people who were sort of uh, we were speaking to, one of the senior aides was saying, listen, Prince Charles will never accept bags of cash again. And I think when, when you're just listening to someone saying that, you think, what planet are we on that somebody senior in the royal household needs to say on record that Prince Charles will never again accept bags of cash, not even just a few quid to pay for a car or something. This is 2.6 million pounds in 500 euro note. I mean, it's just simply extraordinary. And then, you know, we've, we've, we've come off the back of the Platinum Jubilee. Everybody felt fantastic. It was a great celebration. It was the best of British, the best of the monarchy. And I think some people think that when you scratch the surface of this institution, you've got some real big issues that how how do they view their role? Is it that they're um, they are there to do you know the pub there for the public good? Are they there for big, big causes like environmentalism or Kate's early years? Or are they there just to serve themselves? Are they there to just be flying around on private jets? You know, Prince Andrew riding around on a horse killing himself laughing yesterday when he's just had to pay 12 million pounds for a woman he claims he never met because of a load of tawdry sex abuse scandal. The Queen paying um, paying off 2 million pounds to Andrew's sex abuse accuser to try and make sweet in that deal. I mean, there is plenty here for people to really start questioning what the monarchy do for us and whether they are value for money and whether they should be paying for themselves completely on whether they should get any public money in order to uh, in order to exist. I mean, it's a fine line. I think that it's definitely worth having the conversation. I, I do think when you look at it, I think it works out to about £1.26 or something per person in the UK. Are they good value for money? I'm sh- Listen, people always say the billions they bring in in, in, sorry, in, uh, in tourism – is, is is surely worth it to the country? Um, we could obviously have leaders in the uh, like Trump or whoever in it if we had a, an elected president. It's it's definitely a debate, isn't it? And then and I'm sure that the debate will rage even further, which is probably why um, Prince Charles probably thinks it's a uh, it's sensible to have a slimmed down monarchy. But um, it's an interesting one, nonetheless. And obviously, we talk about how these these numbers are, are so big, and they don't really mean anything to us. But you actually spoke to a royal finances expert as well, didn't you, Norman Baker? Who even he said they need to kind of rein things in. You know, like someone who actually knows what the figures look like, because it was that it was the increase of fifteen million, which is seventeen percent. Um, and yeah, I thought what his comments said were really interesting. It put it into perspective a bit more. Well, indeed. I mean, the the issue is that. Well, everybody is cutting back. We are being told our bills are going through the roof. We just said, you know, petrol prices have nearly doubled in the last 12, 18 months. Um, the, the cost of your groceries have gone up. Inflation is nearly 11%. So people are really, really struggling. People, you know, 
are, are going to have a hard time in the next 12 months. And then you're looking at the fact that royal finances have increased. Why are we paying... And Norman Baker, who's a former Liberal, Liberal Democrat MP who I spoke to and, and sort of become this um, sort of sage of royal finances. He knows the detail tremendously well and sort of across the years as well. And he was saying back in 2011, you know, we're talking just over a decade ago, that the sovereign grant was about seven or eight million. I mean, that has ballooned to, you know, what are we talking Um well, it's 86 million pounds, 89 million pounds. And so you, these figures are really hard to stomach, I think, in a, this sort of cost of living crisis. The fact that the royals, we were told, oh, well, they've dipped into the reserves. They haven't asked for any more money, but they've dipped into the reserve. Well, you look at why the reserves are there. Well, that's because they were asking for, I mean, this is playing devil's advocate here. And Norman would say they were asking for too much money over the years. So they built up a load of reserves. I mean, who who has really savings in the UK anymore? I think that there's a startling statistic um, in the US that people are like two paychecks away from being completely bankrupt. Um, I, I would hazard, I guess, it's not that much better in the UK or across Europe. I mean, people are really, really struggling. And when you're seeing you know, details in black and white of private jets taking it, because we don't know about this. You know, it's not something that I would get told or get to report or, you know, I might know that Prince Charles, you know, I might have been on the same plane as him and flew back from Canada and then he might have got a helicopter somewhere because he'd flown from the same airport. But, you know, something that I'm necessarily going to say, oh, that's a story because that's part of being a royal. It's part of the security aspect. So you've got to take it in context sometimes but it, it's it definitely is startling and i know you've looked at the accounts as well and when you just look at pages and pages and pages of crazy figures like twenty thousand pound forty thousand pound hundred thousand two hundred twenty thousand pound you know this is something that i think that the royal family need to get a bit of a grip at grip of and even their sort of most ardent supporters would say you got to look at the optics sometimes i know i get a bit lambasted for talking about optics sometimes but i think in today's society um the royal family does need to not only be value for money but it also needs to be aware of their position in the world and i think a lot of the time they are um you know prince prince william took a back step after the caribbean tour he knew that there had been uh, mistakes had been made there would been lessons to be learned he said himself that we'd him and Catherine had come to the region and, and learned lessons. And and I think there is, we are living in a very different world from a couple of years ago, let alone 10 years ago, right? So the the the, um, the winds are changing all the time and they, they need to be very alert to that. And obviously you mentioned earlier, there's always this kind of big debate about the difference between royals, private money and public money. And one thing I think some people may be expecting to see on here but didn't was uh, finances relating to Prince Andrew and also uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. But they are now, they're not in this, are they? Because they are technically, so the the money that the Queen paid towards Prince Andrew's um, fees and things like that all came from the private pot, isn't it? Which is why we know nothing about that. Absolutely. So, so very similar to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex who have become financially independent because they've left their royal roles. They're no longer working members of the royal family. Uh, Prince Andrew is obviously no longer a working royal. Certainly, he does not receive any public money. So 
I mean, he's probably still got a few quid stashed away, I imagine. However, he's had to pay £12 million, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to uh, Virginia Dufresne. Um, I mean, his legal bills have been absolutely extraordinary over the last few years. His finances have always been shrouded in mystery anyway. I mean, from the, I can't remember what, I think it was about 1996 or something, he sold his Sunningdale mansion for £15 million to a Kazakh oil baron. And then was gifted Royal Lodge, where he still lives. Um, I mean, he pays a peppercorn rent there, one would assume. Um, and the Queen has to give him money now. I mean, it'd be very interesting to see, you know, in the, as the Queen says, in the fullness of time when she's no longer here, how he is financed. I mean, I imagine there will be very some stern talking to that he better, you know, keep himself in check because if uh, Prince Charles has the purse strings, and Prince Andrew is reliant on those purse strings, as he will be, then um, I don't think we'll be hearing any more of this uh, nonsense about him staging a comeback or wanting to be back in the front line of royal duties or whatever it is now. Because um, certainly here the, uh, the feeling is from the top, which is definitely Charles and William, that they don't want him anywhere near the raw fold again. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just to answer your question, we don't hear anything about them anymore because Sovereign Grant is all, is all about taxpayers' money. I mean, in that, on, that, on that point, actually, it was made clear that Duke and Duchess of Sussex are no longer being funded either by the taxpayer or by Prince Charles. I mean, Harry had said back in that Oprah interview that Charles had cut him off financially back in, I think, the first, last quarter of 2020, he said, didn't he? Um, I mean, again, I'm not sure there's much sympathy of a 36-year-old man being cut off by his father, who is a multimillionaire in his own right. I mean, they've got to have some context here, I think. And sometimes it's really frustrating when you hear, yeah, they're moaning about finances when they've obviously got a fair few quid, and especially Harry and Meghan have now, because... They have left to become financially independent. And, you know, the Royal Aids were saying yesterday they should be congratulated on that point because they have made a great success of that. Whatever you think about them, whatever you think about the way that they have handled their business or gone about it, they have made a tremendous success in signing those big money deals. I mean, I'm not sure we've seen too much bang for their buck from uh, Spotify or Netflix at the moment, but apparently it's in the offering. So we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, I'm very, still very much looking forward to this, which I know for we've been saying for years now, but very much looking forward to seeing the next bits of that. Well, the most now, anticipated... Uh, I know. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait a little bit longer, won't we? We'll get there one day. Now, speaking of Megan, another story that came out kind of as part of this you know, the part of the uh, finances uh, stuff was an update, which I can't decide if I was surprised about or not, to be honest. So obviously there was the bullying allegations that were made against Meghan by her junior staff during her time as a royal um and, but they've now decided they've now been accused of trying to whitewash after refusing to reveal the findings of the independent review yes well this is very interesting because i th- and i think a lot of people and it's made 
it's very interesting to see how the papers have split up and and tackled the um, the issue of the sovereign grant. I mean, we sort of went for the big sort of hundred million figure, hundred million being the first time that I think it's one hundred two hundred two point four million to be precise. It's the first time it's gone over a hundred million. Some were talking about Prince Charles no longer accepting bags of cash, which is one of my favourite quotes ever. <laughs> I think. Um, and others really went quite hard on this um, Meghan bullying probe. Now, Buckingham Palace definitely has been accused of a whitewash after refusing to reveal these findings. Now, this probe was launched in March last year after Meghan was accused of bullying at least two palace aides the, in the previous years when she was um, a sort of a, a working royal at Kensington Palace, occasionally reducing staff to tears and humiliating another, the allegation said. Now, at the time, Buckingham Palace came out very, very hard indeed. They said that they would not tolerate bullying or, or and harassment. And they were very concerned at the allegations. Now, for her part, Meghan, we are led to believe, denied those claims that she'd forced two personal assistants and out of their job and undermined the confidence of another. However... The Queen decided to get a, um, a independent legal firm to examine the allegations. Buckingham Palace said there would be a full-scale review. I'd done a couple of stories, spoken to people involved in that, uh, or thought they would be involved in the review. There were at least 10 who were willing to give evidence. My understanding that the inquiry only spoke to about four or five of those people, and even the people who were spoken to still do not know the conclusions of the report. And I think that when the palace was saying last year to the journalists, indeed the world, that they would publish these findings, there would be a review of them in the sovereign grant. They have definitely rode back from that, and they're the um, the, the, the tact that has now been employed is that, well, we had to protect the privacy of the individuals involved. It wouldn't have been right to be discussing um, the, the individual concerns. I think that is a load of baloney, to be honest, because they could have come out and said, listen, there were definitely failings. Um, there were lessons that needed to be learned. They could have said what needed to, to, to happen. I think one of the major points was that there wasn't an even, even an HR process for members of staff to complain about um, members of the royal family. I think there's been allegations in the past where Prince Andrew is, uh, you know, was pushed someone up against a wall and he screamed at someone. That's been well publicised in the past. But, you know, what, what I'm sure there have been instances where royals have shouted at staff or been accused of mistreatment but we've, we've never really heard of them so that was what made these these allegations even more extraordinary and the fact that jason canalf the former press secretary to the duke and duchess of sussex had made these um these claims to to the H, to the hr department and said that this needed to be sorted and it and it wasn't it only came out when when the times newspaper reported it so Again, we bring this back to the fact that the palace were definitely not willing to speak about it. We don't know, um, you know, whether Meghan was spoken to. We don't know whether she took part in the inquiry. There is definitely a lot of ill feeling uh, among the staff involved. They definitely have spoken to other people who feel that this definitely is a whitewash. 
Um, and I think it's very uncomfortable reading today for the for the palace because you know I can tell you yesterday that the, the aides were squirming when they're when you're talking to them and saying that this just is not what was promised. This is not right. How can people have confidence in a massive institution? I mean, we were there to be discussing how much money they're taking from the British taxpayer, and yet they're keeping vital evidence or vital information away from the public. I mean, I, I don't think it's right. And I think that they should have come. I mean, I will just briefly pay devil's advocate and say, you know, in the, in the palace may feel that how on earth could they then come out, given everything that's happened with Harry and Meghan, to say Meghan was a bully. I mean, those are allegations that have since been unanswered. We don't know the result of the report. Um, Meghan had denied those claims privately. I understand. And uh, I guess we'll never know, will we? Until somebody unearths um, whoever wrote the report, I suppose. So again, maybe watch the space. Yeah, it's, it is one of those interesting ones, I think, because obviously we see the royals as people. We follow their work. We follow what they're doing. However, from this this whole new side of it, if this is just normal people going to work you know this isn't the royals this is just people like you and I going and doing their jobs and in any other company if I in my job raised a complaint against my boss I would expect my man my you know other senior members of staff to look into it you'd expect HR to do something around it and you'd expect that level of detail back and action to be taken and that's what is just interesting of that side of it because you know it, we all everyone we all work we know what that's like and to hear that these people who have spoken forward and made these allegations even they're not getting an update on it that's what just feels you know especially doesn't feel right does no it? It, does, it doesn't and if it doesn't feel right it's probably not right i think that is a you know quite a a hardy lesson to take i mean uh, there, there's definitely criticism here whether this story will go away I think that the, the palace knew that this would, they would come in for a lot of flack about this um, again repeating myself but that they, they will definitely feel how on earth could they how on earth could they stand up there and say one thing or another because damned if they do damned if they don't if they, if they did say that there was no bullying it would be accused of a whitewash if they didn't say anything it's a whitewash if they you know said that the the, the allegations were proved correct then all hell would break loose so i mean they're caught in a very difficult posi- position i'm saying that from there that, that how they would view it i don't think it's right and i think that there should have been a further explanation but like most things um you know these uh, i think they're, they're hoping it will be brushed under the carpet just quickly before we move on, why did this mm. come out now? Why was or did someone ask about it in the briefing, or did they put it at, like what? How it doesn't seem at all relevant to finances. Well, it doesn't at all. But I think that because this review had happened, and there are certain reviews that are in the sovereign grant. So, like you'll talk about sustainability. So it's not just facts and figures. There's a massive. There's sort of like summaries. Then there's you know charts and charts of figures that we have to wade through which have, and then there's a travel booklet which is all the travel that happened on the royal train or charter jets or tours that have cost loads of money then there's some other stuff there might be some other stuff from clarence house about carbon um targets sustainability sustainable fuel that sort of thing so there's sort of imagine you've got like a big annual report of a company 
like the you know it might be the daily mirror or we work for reach plc and it'll be all the different sections of staffing and about i mean one of the sections which was really interesting yesterday which was real for the first time ever by all three households is the amount of ethnic minorities that they have working for them and i think that buckingham palace is just under 10 percent it's got about 9.6 uh they said that they their target is to have 10 percent of ethnic minorities working in the palace um by the end of the year i think um i know that the, the clarence house is 10.6 yeah, i'm just getting these up now because i do think they're really interesting there we go, and so kensington palace is about 13.6 bang seven, on 13.6 yes that's buckingham palace are up from 8.5 to 9.6 clarence house uh, is up from eight percent to 10.6 and yeah kensington palace 13.6 good memory well, I mean, David, you know, I Hedge was buried in all this yesterday, so hopefully I should know it. But you know, I still think, you know, they all said that there is a, still a long way to go for representation. They still need to do more within the households. That is a positive step they're making, definitely when you're talking about things like sustainable aviation fuel, um, powering the helicopters on, you know, vegetable oil or whatever it is, and, and, and working towards goals that really do make a difference. That these are positive. These are these really positive issues, and I think that that's something that they should be working to, and and should be applauded for as well. Now, in a sign of how complex all that is, we've now been speaking for thirty-one minutes, and we've not actually <sighs> mentioned the fact that you've been you went to Rwanda. So, how was the tour? I have, yeah. I, we came back. It was a whirlwind tour, as they they always are at the moment. But um, I mean, incredibly emotional. Um, I had a a, a rudimentary understanding before they announced the tour. So I sort of looked into it in, in greater detail about the incredible, horrific genocide in 1994. I mean, I didn't really realise the enormity of it until I was really on the ground. I mean, 800,000 people killed, slaughtered in just 100 days. Um, the the after effects of what it has had on that nation are deeply deeply scarred, and you can tell you can really tell it. I mean, everywhere you go, it's not only that when you go to the genocide memorial, um, yeah, the the absolute genocide of of the the, the Tutsi population, seventy five percent of them wiped out in in just a hundred days, but also the 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 moves to reconciliation which have happened in that country. I mean. Um, I think that Prince Charles is um, a real statesman in this this moment when he we went to Canada recently and he'd met with the indigenous communities. He made a real effort to to make sure he was speaking to people before he landed on the ground, when he was on the ground, speaking about the issues that are really important to them. And he did the same in Rwanda as well, ahead of the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. Which was a mate which was a focus of the tour, but obviously Prince Charles going to listen, learn, to be educated. I think this has become a major, major focal point for him as a sort of a king-in-waiting to listen, learn, to, uh, again, to be more understanding of people and their plight in different parts of the world. And and he, he, he both him and Camilla, made a real big effort to to not really speak in the in the first few days of the tour and I think we saw that in Canada as well to, to really sort of listen and learn from the people who have been affected by by awful awful tragedies such as you know the, the what happened in Canada with the indigenous populations and indeed in um in Rwanda with the genocide and then of course it was sort of flipped on its head 
um, with the with the with Chogham with the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, which was very well organised, I thought, um, because Boris Johnson was in town, and of course we had the big headlines just a few days before about Prince Charles had allegedly made private comments revealed in the Times newspaper, um, calling the the British government's very, very controversial policy of sending immigrants to Rwanda to be processed, um, remarking how appalling it was. I mean, I could definitely um, adhere to that school of thought from the Prince of Wales because it is an absolute disgrace what we are um, positioning ourselves on the the world stage like this. And, And especially Boris Johnson showing up as a world leader to, to Chogham and sort of, you know, being seen, it just didn't feel right in certain junctures. And um, and there was a lot being made that would it be awkward between Boris and Charles? I don't know whether they necessarily get on. Um, they seemed fairly chummy. Their wives seemed fairly chummy. There was definitely a closeness between Camilla and, uh, and Carrie. At a couple of the events, I thought Camilla did a fantastic speech about female um, violence, domestic violence. Obviously, a major, major part of um, of, uh, of of the of the genocide was female violence as well, and 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 continues to be in society, especially in um, yeah, not not only African communities, I suppose communities across the world certainly that that the Duchess of Cornwall has tried to raise a spotlight um, on. And um, yeah, I, I just I came away from the whole trip thinking that um, that I mean Rwandans have have made huge strides to to repair a country which has been absolutely desecrated, um, but. Um, but that concept of re- reconciliation is possibly something we could all take away from it. Definitely. And this, I thought it was an interesting tour as well. Of it, see, it was it was good to see them maybe off the back of the financial stuff as well. But they, you know, it was the, they combined almost the two elements, didn't they? Which was good. It felt like, you know, obviously he went and did the more the more you know the memorial stuff and learned about the history and learned about the country, but was also there for the political side as well. Um, which it was it is an interesting way of seeing them do it of kind of making the most of a trip and doing different aspects while they were there well i think that's right because she's very very nearly it's her birthday next month in july she's 75 prince charles is nearly 74 i mean they're getting on i mean as prince charles has said to me himself i mean he jokes sometimes he's you know oh yeah i'm getting on a bit and (laughs) i mean it's but they're, they're still quite fit but I don't think you know you're going to ever see. I don't think you ever see royals do huge tours like the Queen used to do. Um, they haven't done that for an awful long time. Even you know Harry and Meghan's tour. I think we've mentioned this a couple of times before. Harry and Meghan's tour was three weeks of Australia. I know that we had Invictus Games in it as well, but we're just not going to see tours like that. So yeah, it's definitely right to sort of combine big issues like that. Um, I imagine we might get a little little mini American tour when um, William is doing a shot. Earthshot, yeah. Earthshot, when William is doing Earthshot, I imagine we'll get a little tour. Again, I don't think it'll be very long because the Cambridges don't like to be away from the kids. When we might see a bigger tour, I mean, I again, I, if I say this uh, enough, it'll probably. I keep. <laughs> if I say it enough, it'll happen, right? That, that's my that's my thinking on this situation. But I definitely think we'll see a, a tour to Australia early next year. Um, 
and they've got to take the children the Cambridges as well right because we didn't go during the Platinum Jubilee year there's definitely a, a Republican sentiment growing in Australia they've just appointed um, a junior minister to uh, for the Republic so you know I think his name's Matt Thistlewaite I've probably got that wrong but um, I, listen I, I think I think this is something that the Cambridges will need to do um, and whenever whenever the school holidays are in you know Easter time or whatever I imagine we'll have, we'll have we'll be getting on a plane hopefully to Australia but to your point I think there'll be more collaboration of dates because um, it just works for them really Now a bit closer to home the we've been in scotland haven't we this week we've hit a few engagements for the queen it's been lovely to see her she looks very well so this is their annual week of engagements uh kind of north of the border isn't it and they've done loads we've had the queen attended the ceremony of the keys which is when she's kind of symbolically offered the keys to the city of edinburgh we've had a garden party what else has there been well, there's been, you're right, there have been investitures, a garden party at the Palace of Holyrood House, which is her residence in Edinburgh, a meeting with Nicola Sturgeon, which didn't appear to be that frosty, even though Nicola Sturgeon is once again banging the drum, the First Minister of Scotland banging the drum for another independence referendum. Yeah, because that, that Boris Johnson was a couple of days already. after the date, wasn't it? It's just, I mean, good <laughs> Lord. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear about any uh, of our Scottish cousins, to be honest, because... You know, we've already had a once in a generation, as it was billed, uh, independence referendum just a few years ago. Boris Johnson has said that they will not allow because the British government does need to allow them, permit them to have another independence referendum. But Nicola Sturgeon has got the bit between her teeth once more and saying that uh, they they want to have a referendum, so they're going to have it. So again, I think we'll have to see what happens. But yeah. Great to see the Queen out and about. Thought she looked rather sprightly this week. She seems to have been uh, very well rested. She loves being up in Scotland, of course. Um, why wouldn't you when the sun is shining? This beautiful, beautiful place. Edinburgh is an incredible, incredible city as well. And uh, and Edward and Sophie were there as well. A few other the royals and uh, a good week by head by all, I think. It was lovely. And yeah, as you said, she looked very happy and very lovely to be there. Lots of big smiles, which is always nice to see. Now, Megan did an interview this week, didn't she, with Vogue? And this was on the the Roe uh, versus Wade, obviously, ruling in America, which oh, I'm going to talk about this for an hour and get very angry if I go mm. into it too mm. much. But she spoke very openly and very honestly in this, didn't she? Uh, kind of sharing her opinions on it, uh, saying that uh, she and Harry had kind of like gut reactions to it. Um, it was really you know, speaking about the importance of abortion rights and also spoke about her miscarriage again and what it's like to yeah. carry a child. Yeah, and I think, you know, everybody has had gut-wrenching reactions to this Roe versus Wade repeal. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary what is happening in the United States at the moment. And I mean, there are several instances where I can absolutely agree with her. I think she's, again, once again, very, very brave to be speaking about her personal experience of miscarriage. I think it's um, you know, quite important when people have the courage to, to, to do that in a, in a public facing role such as she has. She's a, you know, one of the most famous people in the world and I'm sure that there are an awful lot of women and men who feel very comforted um, from her comments both at the time and now talking about how she, what she feels to have that connection of, of, a, of a life growing inside your body and how 
that sort of fed into the gut-wrenching aspect of, of, of hearing about the, the repeal of Roe versus Wade. But also, I think that she's, she's very right in saying that this issue needs the support of men, that they, there are abortion rights, not only of women, but of men, and men need to be educated about it and speak up about it. And, and she was talking about you know, my husband. Um, but Harry is very, very up on it. I think that's, that's a really good platform to have because people do listen to her and, and this will be very well read um i mean some people have been poking fun at her perhaps unfairly because she's saying you know we'll be taking a trip to washington soon i mean people are saying will she have political ambitions i think she probably does i mean would people take her seriously stranger things have happened right and she's got an awful lot of opinions some of them better than others um there's definitely a platform that she has that exists. And I think that by tying herself to big activists as she has on several issues over the last couple of years, um, then then why not? I mean, stranger things have happened, especially (laughs) in the United States. Now, this seems like an awfully long time ago now, but obviously as we didn't catch up last week, uh, we had Prince William's 40th birthday which is a, a big day in the big day in the calendar. So we obviously had the first portrait of him and Kate, which was very nice, wasn't it? What did you think what of did it? You th- well, what did you think of it? I liked it. I don't. I'm not very good at art, but yeah, the kind of like no, looking off into no. the distance, wasn't it? But I liked the colours. Oh. I thought the colours were nice. Uh, Kate's the colour of Kate's dress was beautiful. Well, the piece. I mean, the piece, the actual painting was absolutely extraordinary it looks like a photograph i mean lots of people talking about a power pose william smirking into the distance <laughs> kate being submissive i mean you could probably read into what you want about these things can't you but yeah i didn't mind it i thought i thought it was quite a bold move because it's a very look at her 40th birthday pictures yeah that's one of true. them looked like yeah. it was you know, in the Victorian era. And this is very, very modern. It's unmistakably modern. And uh, for something that will hang in the National Gallery for decades, if not centuries, then, um, you know, very interesting that they've gone for, the, for this sort of modern twist. But, you yeah, know, I, I, like, I did like it, actually. And did you have one of the Queen's brooches on, I think, which was nice as well? Well, you've stumped me there. I mean, it <laughs> seems so long ago. <laughs> it's been fried with helicopter vegetable oil and <laughs> god knows what so you know, i'll have to pass right. for that one i'm afraid and obviously we know that the kind of royals have taken to doing big things to mark their birthday and obviously megan did this as well megan did the kind of 40 things when she had her birthday um, but he was pictured out selling the, the big issue wasn't he? he spent an hour with one of the kind of vendors selling it and used the occasion and the platform to do a big interview with the big issue now the big issue is um for those outside of the uk is a really popular magazine that is sold by uh homeless people and to kind of like help them uh you know to get them some income and yes he was out selling it for for an hour wasn't he He said he was getting um getting spotted quite a lot he had the big red vest on which they well he's pretty he's pretty recognizable i mean he sounded surprised he said he could always go out with his baseball cap on and no one noticed him but i was like you're wearing a high vis res jacket yeah well i mean fair (laughs) enough yeah you're right he's probably could he probably could go under the radar sometimes but Wearing a big, a big red jacket. I mean, again, a laudable cause because he, you know, he 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 has had 
sort of an affiliation with homelessness since the days of his mother, because Princess Diana took that cause on as one of the sort of the pillars of her work um, before her tragic death. And you've you've got to hand it to William because he's he's back in two I think it's two thousand nine. He's slept out in the streets. He's also, he's been patron of Centre Point and The Passage, which are two major homelessness charities in the UK. And he said as part of his 40th year, he wants to sort of raise the profile of it, really. There shouldn't be a, there shouldn't be a reason why people are still homeless in, to, in today's day and age. And, and maybe this pulls you right back to raw finances because, you know, I think the, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, maybe, because... Yes, the Royals are going to be flying around in private jets. Yes, they're going to be in motorcades and travelling around, um, living in luxury palaces. But if they're actually doing the work and really raising the profile of issues that really, really do do matter to people, like homelessness, like mental health, like ch- children's development, uh, mental health in children especially, then I think that people will even the naysayers would really, would really cut him some slack. So it's good to see that he's going to make this, um, you know, a big pillar of his work in his, well, this is 41st year, isn't it? But he's for, for his 40th birthday to celebrate it. So hear, hear Prince William. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more on that, um, on that point. And also, just before we move on quickly, again, feels like an awfully long time ago, but Father's Day, we had a lovely new photo of him with George, Charlotte and Louis taken during the same photo shoot. It looks like that they did their Christmas card photo, which was their time in uh, on fa- a private holiday in Jordan. And again, it was on those lovely photos if it wasn't kind of staged at all. You know, they're all kind of jumping on him. And because I remember the pictures, was it last year we got where they were just all kind of bundling in the grass, weren't they? So it was another really lighthearted family, affectionate photo, which I thought was really nice to see as well i liked it i like i love that i love it i love these photos and not taken by kate for once yeah well because she was in them wasn't she she was in the other ones not the father's day ones but she was in the christmas card so yeah it was really nice a lovely photo now what have we got coming up Oh, I think I'm going to go and lie in a dark secret. room for, a, for the weekend, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, what have I got coming up? Do you know what? I'm going to leave you in suspense because I don't know. <laughs> because yeah. I know. That's I your job for the afternoon any. to look at other I things, do, isn't I it? I do not know what is going on, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll report back with no doubt some more <laughs> gems and so is it it's august they take off for summer isn't it so we've still got another month of royal fun before they before they there's go lots coming their up holidays. there's lots there is lots coming up trust no. me tune in next week it's going to be a rip royal show could be could be the best ever oh no no pressure <laughs> all right thank you so much for joining me russell and thank you to everyone for listening this week as always we're on social media twitter and instagram at pod save and until next time pod save the queen <laughs> <laughs>